Hey everyone, uh, Rusty here from the Bytecast. You've got episode numero uno here, so thank you for taking the time to download and listen. Uh, Clyde and I can't thank all of you enough that are listening and hope you like what you hear so that you'll listen to the episode next week and the weeks to follow. Uh, make sure you check out the blog at thebytecast.wordpress.com where we'll be posting up some of the articles and different things we talk about here in the podcast. And make sure you stay tuned for our monthly guest podcast where we'll have on some interesting tech people from around the area and get to talk to them about what drives their tech side. Uh, we hope you enjoy the show, but enough of me talking. Let's get on with it. everyone. Uh, thanks to all the new listeners out there for downloading the Bytecast weekly. Um, this is our first weekly episode. Uh, we're going to try and cover some of what we think are pretty common issues or problems that businesses, uh, large or small, face on a day-to-day basis, whether it be in their IT department uh, or maybe they don't have an IT department and they're forced to be outsourced. I'm here today uh, with my good friend, longtime IT guy, Clyde Whitman. Uh, so Clyde, why don't you tell everyone a bit of your background and why it was that you approached me about wanting to start up this podcast? Um, sure. Uh, my name is Clyde Whitman. Um, been in the industry for the last 15 years now. Started all the way with Windows desktops when they were back in their prime and Bill Gates was still running things. All the way to... 2000s with Windows Server 2000 and 2003 and 2008 and right now I am a PeopleSoft administrator that specializes just in um, Oracle PeopleSoft administration. Um, So right now I've gotten away from the desktop and pretty much just a specialist. And the reason why I approached uh, Rusty is I see a need for the area of, uh, of where we are from um, to provide the expertise and the leadership that is lacking that we have seen from some of our past experiences, and we think that we could fill that void. I think that sums it up pretty quite nicely. Yeah. No, that, that was very good. I, I enjoyed that. Um, <laughs> you semi-dated your old balls there. Uh, with your Windows NT Server 2000. Oh, we are going to use old balls. Thank you. I'm glad that <laughs> That's, that will well, be on the podcast. You're pretty used to them. So. <laughs> Good. Um, so as Clyde said, my name is Rusty Deline, um, and I live in the greater Bismarck, North Dakota area, and have been doing IT for, uh, let's say, about 10 years, about five less than Clyde. Um I do basic server hardware maintenance and management and desktop support uh, for the agency that I currently work for. Uh, And I also own my own uh, IT business on the side uh, where I am the outsourcee for a lot of small businesses in the area uh, looking to fill that gap of uh, coverage that they have and help that they need with uh, all the equipment and hardware that they have in the office. So 
I guess we're going to start it today um, trying to come up with some basic topics. Uh, I know businesses is a big thing for Clyde and I because um, we've both been through this where we've worked in a, a state realm, a government realm, and a private industry realm and have seen the ups and downs and the flaws uh, that IT departments or just businesses in general face with with their IT stuff. Um, a big thing being... You know, even something as simple as, like, hardware upgrade cycles. Uh, I know, Clyde, we've both worked at places where some people are on top of the ball and some people are so far behind. Where do you even start to get caught up today? You know, that's a, that's a good question. Um, you know, the, the, the basic rule of thumb from what I've known for the last 10 years is, you know, as long as I've been in it, you know, because the first five years really don't count. Um, I was too green at that point. Um, but the last 10 years, from what I know, it's been, I've always been taught to plan for three to five years. And they, what I've always learned is that the reason why you shoot for three to five years is because if some if something goes out, it's time to replace it. If something start, get, starts flaking out on you or starts giving you problems, it's time to replace it. Um, and on the opposite side of that, if you get five years, um, consider it time to replace it anyways and that you got your money's worth out of that uh, piece of equipment or software and you have to start looking looking because if you if you try to hold on to the pa- uh, try to hold on to the past or try to try to not upgrade right away it's going to it's going to cost you more in the long run um, servers can't run forever obviously oh absolutely um, I know I'm pretty lucky with the agency that I'm at right now in our IT budget because uh, we try to cycle, you know, your basic desktop and peripherals and things we cycle about every two to four years mm-hmm. right now, um, which is great because it keeps everybody up and running and you don't have to worry about people going out into the field with bad hardware and they're going to call you at 3 a.m. and say, oh, yeah, I think I lost my hard drive or my screen doesn't turn on anymore on the mm-hmm. laptop. Um, servers are another story for us. Um, the majority of some of the servers that we have running, uh, especially in the high availability realm um, that we run in, we're still running server 2003 with SQL 2005. Um, I understand the there are complexities with trying to upgrade databases and get everybody and everything up to a new version, uh, but there comes a point where it's becoming more of a hindrance to us than mm-hmm. anything else. I mean, just because, you know, if we have something go down, the software's not supported anymore. Now we can't get updates and patches and fixes. Well, just because we can't get something fixed doesn't mean we can go ahead and upgrade it that day to mm-hmm. fix the problem. It takes time and it takes money, you know. Um, and outside of that agency realm, there's a lot of small businesses, uh, out, you know, around here. Clyde, and you're very familiar with them. Um, some of them used to be your clients. And... They're running their entire office, you know, database on an old Windows XP machine from 2004 that's ready to kick the bucket any day now. (laughs) You know, so is three to five years a good time? Should it be shorter than that? Um, You know, do some people have to start planning for every, you know, two to four maybe just to get it (laughs) in five years? I mean, you know, what well, one of the things I like to do is, as soon as I get that equipment in, 
I like to start talking to my customers about it. First thing I'll say to them is, hey, just so you know, this will not last you forever. Um, and I will tell them that three to five years rule and hope that it doesn't bite me both one way or the other. You know, you hope it, you hope, you hope you're not called back in a week <laughs> right? because yes. it went down and you hope that it's not 15 years later and they're still running that server. Um, so I, as soon as what I have done in the past is yes, I've done that right away where everything's good to go. Uh, we know everything's working and started to get that into their mind of, listen, we're going to have to be talking about this in a couple of years just so that we can start planning the upgrade so that we, uh, so that we know what we have to uh, back up and so we know what we have to restore and uh, get you back uh, up and running. And so that it's, and you know, instead of three or four days or even a week, which, you know, if not planned correctly, can happen. I mean, things can spiral out of control and then it will would be worse if, uh, let's say, a SQL instance, uh, a database instance wasn't uh, identified, backed up and restored and then you had to get all their hardware or load their other hardware back up and uh try to get that off while they're trying to keep their other business functions going and you know that that reminds me of that one client i had about a year and a half ago and they had an old windows 98 machine and that was running quickbooks couldn't even tell you the version of quickbooks but we were trying to do backups, and they had a printer that went out. And try to imagine that for a minute. You're trying all of a sudden it's 2012, and you're trying to work on a Windows 98 machine. I mean, forget trying to find a printer. You're trying to find just <laughs> uh, just some just f- find a way to find uh, back that d- that data up because you don't even you don't even want to touch it because you're afraid if you touch one thing and there's a stack charge. All of a sudden, that thing's down, and it's on you. And that took. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know I know. we talk a lot about backups, which is, uh, you know, for any business, it should be the number one priority, is keeping backups of the data. And we'll, we'll get into cloud services a little bit later. Um, but, you know, you, you do see a lot of smaller businesses running Carbonite. Uh, nowadays to keep everything backed up, which is great and awesome. Uh, so for any of you business owners out there that may be listening, um, back up your data because <laughs> uh, if you lose it, it's gone. Yeah, and it's not uh, it's not coming back. We're we're looking around. It takes us time. <laughs> right, absolutely. Well, and a lot of people have a misconception, you know, especially when they're not from the IT realm of, you know. This stuff goes over here to this other machine, and that thing will just run forever. And then if something happens, there will be a backup somewhere. Right. You know, and that's just not the case. <laughs> you know, um, there's people that have right. lost data and people that are going to lose data. Um, those are the two types of people that are out there. And it's not a magic button you can push on a lot of things. I know a lot of cloud services are making that much easier these days, uh, especially your, your ones like Carbonite, where... Yep, you can just go back in and hit restore and poof magic, your files from yesterday right. are back to where they're supposed to be. Uh, but if you're not backing them up and you lose a hard drive, I mean, it, it can cost you well into the thousands of dollars to get that data retrieved from that hard drive if you're not right. backing it up somewhere. And that's and that's even if you so do restore. Back everything um, up, people. There's one of our customers, Rusty, or one of your customers now, that he will tell you quite honestly... I think it was the 90s, he said. 
late nineties and he had a had a data loss and he said he never yeah, it didn't it didn't hurt it didn't uh, stop his business or anything like that or close his doors I should say but he never really did recover recover and by that I mean he never got all of his data back and it did hurt him but he did recover in the long term financially I mean and and let me even back up I mean it's not even just businesses it's even I will say people in our own field Rusty once in a while make that mistake um one of the things I've seen, as far as backups go, business or companies, companies run random software that you and I have probably never heard of, that do a variety of different things. Right, and one of them I know oh, is uh, it's a cabinet document soft, documenting imaging software. I couldn't uh, speak to it completely. And ten years ago, that was all you know, just flat files on the server, and you could just back those up. And in the last three to four years, what I've seen is they will have their customers do the upgrade, uh, uh, you know, upgrade their program, and that will change it from just the flat files that they could back up whenever, didn't matter if they were in use, to a SQL Server Express instance. And then that's all of a sudden not getting backed up because it's a SQL Server database instance. And in that regard, they can't be backed up live. You have to use a certain backup. And so, all of a sudden, their database isn't getting backed up. And so, I, you know, there's been problems with that as well. Right, absolutely. Um, I know a problem that a lot of businesses face with hardware upgrades and, and backups, obviously, is a money factor. Um, you know, large corporations, maybe not so much, um, at looking to start it. Uh, but from the realm of a large enterprise... It costs a lot of money to back up a lot of right. data. And even from a small business perspective, you know, Carbonite costs X amount of dollars a month or per year. But to them, that's a lot of money right. sometimes. Uh, is it worth it? Absolutely. But as me and you have been discussing, um, our Fourier into Linux in the past, you know, with me the last probably seven, eight years, um, and you more recently, is you're starting to find out that there's ways to do things that are a lot more... Uh, cost beneficial to you, um, especially in the open source realm, um, in the Linux realm. So I know we discussed earlier about could you move a small business or an enterprise to an all Linux platform to avoid those overhead costs? Definitely you could, but, and I've always said this at least right now, the the overhead cost is going to be uh, you're just going to trade that in the technician in how and the rate of the technician. Um, in my opinion, the you know a, a window a Linux administrator is more valuable than a Windows administrator, and I've seen that more often than not where someone oh this is probably ten years ago but it still happened where people would you know th- deploy w- Linux servers to the small businesses. And then that person would take a job or disappear, and then there was no one to support that Linux server. And as we know, but our listening audience doesn't, there are many different distributions of Linux compared to versus, or, you know, contrasted to Windows. So there can be different commands or just different ways that that operating system is going to work. So now, um, yeah, you're, you're, you avoided the licensing, licensing costs, 
but you have to find someone that knows that uh, distribution of the Linux to actually help you. And that's, there's no guarantee that you're going to actually find someone. In time, I'm sure you will, but not uh, not as readily available as you would as a, as a Windows administrator. So while Linux, in my opinion, is great, and I wish I could have gotten into it 15 years ago when I did start this adventure, um, you're, you're always, you always have to worry about that. I mean... The business owner, let's be honest, the business owner many times is the network administrator and does the backups or it's the office manager and they have to get onto that server and do the backups or do the updates even if they don't know what they're doing and they're not going to be able to switch from their Windows 7 or Windows 8 machine to a Linux server. Right. Yeah, and that's. I think you, you hit the nail on the head right there with, with your staffing um, it's hard to find good Linux people. Um, and outside of that scope a little bit too, you could convert an entire office, you know, a small business office, to Linux to avoid Windows licensing costs, you know, run their backups on an instance of MySQL, which is free open source. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not paying a grand for a license or five grand for, you know, core licensing on, on SQL. But it's a learning curve. It's like when people made the jump from Windows XP to Vista slash 7. Um, they kept it relatively close. You know, you still had the start button. Graphically, it was different, but people had a problem with it. And now you jump from 7 to 8, and nobody can figure mm-hmm. it out. Uh, especially, you know, the typical person running in the office environment. Um, they're used to having their start button here. They're used to having these icons on the desktop, and now there's no desktop, and there's this tile interface, and, you know, what's going on? Linux is kind of the same way the first time you jump into it. It doesn't operate the same way. It doesn't look the mm-hmm. same way. It takes time mm-hmm. to figure it out. Um, is a small business going to want to take the time to figure it out, or do they want to be fast and operational like everything they've been using in the last 20 years? You know, um, the the cost is way down, but where's right. the trade-off? You know, how much time are they losing in the office because they're relearning something they've been using for the last 10, 15, 20 right. years? You know? So, um, another problem with open source and Linux, uh, obviously, the there's so much free software out there for it. But everything's still built around mm-hmm. a Windows platform. So you go to an accounting firm, and their accounting software that they use is all Windows-based. You couldn't convert them to Linux simply because, you know, it just it wouldn't work. That piece of software is not going to run on Linux. You know, you're going to have to find the Linux equivalent, unless that company makes a Linux equivalent. So you've got your, your, your pitfalls there. You can look at a mixture of it maybe and run Windows on the front end and maybe Linux on the back end on the servers. Um, you know, you could definitely use it as a file share uh, and some things, but you're going to lose your, you know, your print server and some things like that because it's not going to function the same way. And as you well know, Clyde, it's hard to mix and match pieces on the network oh, yeah. and make them fit together. Microsoft products run great when <laughs> everything is all Microsoft products. But you incorporate Linux or Mac or something else in there, and now all of a sudden things don't talk right all the time, and it's more staffing and more overhead costs to keep right. those things running right. 
You know, so are you ever going to get the small business uh, away from, you know, Microsoft? I don't think so. Uh, seems Microsoft's shooting themselves in the foot more and more these days, and it looks like it could go that way. Uh, I just don't think a lot of places are going to be able to afford to go open right. source. Right, completely agree. And and to to touch on a bit on something you just said there, um, the part about how it all works together. Better not that I'm advocating Windows because I've actually been going away from Windows and how they do things, but. The, uh, the small business o- business owner or even the mid-sized business owner that just has Windows machines at his office and a lot of those business owners business owners like to work from home or connect from home in one way or another whether it's to their home or their office desktop or their office server I know I've seen quite a few of those and it you know that the options just aren't out there for Linux yet they're getting there more more and more and yeah as you said with the windows machines or the business practices on that end if they stumble more and more i see the opportunities for programmers to say well it's time to switch to this side of the track absolutely and you know you're seeing that shift in it trends too um especially as you get more and more into cloud services um where a you know, company once required, you know, Microsoft uh, Office, you know, Office Suite or Lotus or something of that nature in in the office to do all their word processing and uh, Excel sheets and and everything like that. You know, look at what Google's doing these days. Um, Is their online, you know, cloud app, I use (laughs) cloud very loosely, Clyde, you know that we both have a problem with Mm -hmm. the word cloud. Um, just because all it means is the mm-hmm. internet and that's already been around for how many years now, but you know, somebody coined it here in the last three or four years, the word cloud. So now everybody thinks that the cloud is this brand new magical thing that just came about when in reality it's right. just the internet. But I mean, you can go and log into your Google apps account and have a word processor and then, you know, a, a spreadsheet processor, uh, everything you know, just like that. It's not as feature-rich as you can get with a Microsoft Office product, but the benefit is, is it's online, and it's all web-based. So if you are switching to a Linux-based system or a Mac-based system, that stays the same. So now I can go log into my web-based service and do all my work. It doesn't matter what Mm -hmm. platform I'm running on. I know I brought up the accounting software thing earlier and how, you know, this company makes accounting software for Windows machines. Well, now they have web-based. I know QuickBooks has web-based services now where you can do everything online. They store all the data for you, and they make sure it's backed up. You pay them a monthly or a yearly fee instead of just buying the piece of software up front and having it for the next 10 years until it gets so out of date you're forced to upgrade. You know, you're getting the latest and greatest every year with that subscription, it's being managed for you, it's backed up for you, and you can go home and do your work from home, go to the office, go on vacation, run it on Linux, on Mac, it doesn't matter. It all works cross-platform. So I, w- I would think in the next five years for sure, you're going to see most businesses, uh, small to mid-size, convert everything over to cloud-based computing. 
uh, just for the ease of it and you know the, the less hassle and worry that they're going to have on their mind about having to have all this hardware in the office now and pay for it and pay somebody to maintain it for them. So with that being said, does that no. start making us irrelevant? I mean, think about it. I mean, and, and to a point with, <laughs> with that, because this is something that we have never even discussed yet between you and I, um, to, and to that point, I disagree slightly to major all of it, and I'm not sure which how far in that gambit I run yet, because I'm not sure how many customers or how many people feel comfortable giving their data over to someone. And and, and that aside, they're still they're always going to need. I mean, they're still going to have to have the the made the minor thing or not minor things, but the infrastructure. They're going to have to have the the internet service provider come on in with their with their router or access point or whatever, what have you. They're going to have to have the, the network cables. And at the minimum, they're going to have to have uh, dumb clients. And dumb clients, for the listening audiences, are just you know thin PCs that connect to something. I, I, mean, I mean, I'm going to the, to the very extreme here, Rusty, of what, what an office could run. Oh. And, okay, great, but then the Internet goes out, and they're not working at all. They're not doing anything. With their with their programs because they're hosted through the internet, and and, and I'm not trying to right uh, yeah, again. I'm not trying to sway one person one way or the other because I'm sure you know. I think I it keeps me up at night. I hate to say this because I'm thinking back and forth. <laughs> I mean, your question was about our being irrelevant. irrelevant. No, <laughs> we'll just end up working for the cloud or for the people that are hosting the the magical cloud. Which, just so I can state it for the people that are listening, this is the second time they tried to push the cloud. If you go back to 2004, 2005, they were trying to do it then. They're more success. People are more successful now because of the branding. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's it's a pro and a con thing. You know, um, like you said, if you lose internet for the day because your your ISP is doing maintenance or you know there's a fiber cut and that happens somebody who's digging a hole think. and not paying attention absolutely <laughs> uh, at least once a week <laughs> where I work it seems like um, partly to do with other departments probably not following protocols when they decide to turn switches on and off as well but you know everything that we run in the right. cloud we lose until we get connection back and if that's a half hour thing okay sure we can work with that but if you're a business owner and you've only got four employees but lots of clients and now all of a sudden you're down for two three hours you know right. that's that's closed doors for for half a day right you know and that's money lost and they're not going to want that you know but it sure is nice to be able to go home at the end of the day and say oh you know i forgot to do this and this and then just log into the website and all right Right, and I completely, you know, I completely agree with you with how the services are going. So, um, you know, even there's even one. How can I put this? The the Oracle bot Oracle had the hostile tra- uh, takeover of PeopleSoft, uh, the uh, the company. I'm giving a br- brief history right now. Back in 2005, that guy that lost his company, I can't remember his name right now, but he turned around and he started developing a cloud. Um, version of ERP software that he is doing right now. Um, so that's financial and HR modules. Through the cloud, I mean, a customer does not have to buy the hardware, does not have to buy SQL servers, which 
we were just talking about are quite expensive. Doesn't have to buy file servers, um, and then does not have to have the people to implement those application servers and process schedulers and programmers to get it looking and working exactly the way you want it to. They will do it for you for a fee, but you never know where that's going to lead or what's going to ever happen to them. I mean, you have your SLAs and you have your your contracts, but that's still something written on paper. Um. You know, maybe this is a talk for next week or, or a future one about uh, mobile devices and the expansion of those in today's uh, reality with everybody having something um, and businesses being able to be on the go 24-7 mm-hmm. now and have everything with them. Uh, you know, to some people that's a definite pro and to some people they wish they could never even have email, let alone <laughs> get it on their phone, you know, all day, you know, all year round. Yeah. So. Yeah. It makes me think. I just saw a joke today. Um, how it was 10 years ago and you were happy to get an email and now you're happy to get a something coming in the mail for you. For you. <laughs> I, right, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, the best thing AOL ever, ever gave us was you, the you have mail and that's dead. <laughs> At least I haven't heard it for a while. I'm sure it's still out there somewhere. Well, and some people, you know, they like being connected. Um, everybody's on Facebook 24-7, staring at their phone, updating posts, putting pictures, you know, whatever. Um, some people like that. And some people, like me, are, I'm okay with it, but I don't like that everybody has access to me 24-7. Uh, <laughs> once in a while, I like it if people call me to make a plan, and then I'll talk to you next week. You know... Not send me four texts a day and create a Facebook event and share it on Twitter and then take pictures of everything and throw it on Instagram and... Invite 40 more people. Invite 40 more people that weren't supposed to be there originally anyways, just because it's that much easier. And, (laughs) you know, it's it's less work for people, so they like it, but some of us IT folks, when you're getting used to being bugged all day at work to come and fix problems, um, some that are to us... You know, not a big deal, and you kind of look at the person like, really, this is a problem for you in this day and age? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's easy for them to do it, and it's easier access to us, which they love and we all hate. And I don't know that you'll find another IT guy that necessarily disagrees with that. Well, I think about it like this. I remember two things here, two things. One... This is probably, we, we, we should probably, we'll discuss when we can have that conversation or that podcast because I do do that. I find myself coming home and within five minutes I'm checking my hotmail when I just checked it at work and I'm going, why am I checking this? I don't care about anything that I get and I'm not expecting it. And five minutes later I'll be doing it again and the pod, I guess the podcast would be on the psycholo- psychological terms of it or what, you know, the psychology of it. Because there are certain studies that are being done on that. Oh, absolutely. I know, especially with with Facebook and Twitter, um, I I read an article a couple weeks ago, and I forget what they're calling it, the name of the syndrome, so to speak, but basically it's saying that um, it's kind of a vanity thing for people, you know, hey, look, I put a post on Facebook. (laughs) Now I'm going to sit here for the next half hour and refresh my screen Mm -hmm. to see how many people like my post. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and it's 
like I said, this is a this is a more in depth conversation for another podcast because I could probably go on and on about this forever. Oh yeah, and how much that bothers and annoys me. Um, but it's it is it's a thing. It, like you said, you just checked your email at work. Why do you got to check? Are you expecting something important? Why are you on your phone the minute you get home rechecking everything? Uh, you never used to be able to do that, and we were fine with it then. Right. <laughs> I mean, I think back to the day. You know, I when I used to be the guy who had sit up till two, three o'clock trying to figure something out, and then probably play a game for an hour. But now, this is probably right. This this right here, what we're doing. This is probably the most I've been on my computer and my home computer. I'm talking about in months, and I don't enjoy it. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to be doing it. I do it at work every eight hours, and and I know you have heard the way I did too of people that said, "Oh, I used to be like that, and now I don't even want to touch a computer when I get home." Yeah, but we both used to right. be that way. Like, we would fix things or just dig right into it. And now it's like, <laughs> no. Yeah, the last thing I want to do when I leave work from fixing computers all day and staring at servers and, you know, all of that is come home and do the same thing all night to get up and go do it again in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to come home at the end of the day and turn on the TV and watch some DVR shows and not have to think. Right. You know. I, I'll, I'll, I'll break in here. If it's something interesting, like the Linux problems that I've been having or pushing myself to learn since I'm pushing uh, Linux on myself, that's different. That's an entirely different world. But where if it's something with Windows or just something that I've done before, I, I just can't get into it. And I, I don't well, want And you're learning that on your own right. time. You know, Work's not teaching you Linux, but it's something you want to learn. So you don't have a problem coming home and firing up, you know, a virtual machine on your desktop, and then playing with Linux, and installing different distros, and breaking and fixing, you know, and teaching yourself. Um, it's not like you're doing that for eight hours at work, and then doing it when you get home either. I mean, that's, I'm not going to say it's a fun thing for you to do, but it's something that you want to learn how to do, so you take the time on your own time to right. do it. Right. Well, I guess what I'm saying is it's completely different than the Windows world. You know, I'm not coming home and pulling out a network cable and going... I'm gonna put this put this end on just for fun. <laughs> that's 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 right, not how right. I get my fun. Now, learning something, I get my kicks from network right. cables. Now, starting up starting up another <laughs> Linux distribution, um, and seeing it from different angles, and just seeing how it works conversely from the Microsoft world, and then seeing what they do right and what Microsoft does right, and then going, why can't they both? to be better at certain things. You know, I still say networking in Linux is a pain where Windows, it's it's either working or not. You know, the driver's installed or not. But, I mean, right. I'm talking about for a home user now. <laughs> but mm-hmm. that's just the way I'm looking at it. I'm just saying, yeah, another completely different world. Love getting into it. Makes it easier for me. Oh, for sure. So... Well, I know that we have um, some topics of going virtual and server virtualization, software virtualization, um, which I think is a quite expansive topic that maybe we roll into the next podcast for all you listeners if you're interested in virtualization or want to know more about it. Uh, Maybe we can talk about that next week a little bit um, and get into some mobile device things and other great random things that we can come up with to talk about that really just annoy us more than anything else. So, uh, with that being said, I guess, uh, thanks everyone. 
for listening to our new weekly podcast here, and we hope you enjoyed it and found it informational. And uh, we hope to see you next week. I have nothing to say. I'm considering that the end of it. 